Thank you, Kotho. Um, great to be together this morning. Um, just before um, I get into um, the message that I've got for us this morning, just want to add to what Kofo said earlier. He stole what I wanted to say. Um, but to honor Zita, um, who is amongst us this morning. Um, so I know we've already um, clapped Zita, but at 96 years old, um, in a lot of pain a lot of the time, um, Zita still can't stay away from the family of God that she has been a part of since its very beginnings um, in this um, church family. From, from the very start when it was planted, um, before the vast majority of us in this room um, were part of the church, and before some of us in this room were even born. Um, so Zita, um, we honor you. Um, we celebrate you, we celebrate your testimony and your contribution, your faithfulness and the example that you are to us all. Thank you, Zita. And while we're honouring people, we did try and extend that break as long as we could to give Amy a chance to get back up um, the stairs. Um, but she's with her two young girls trying to get them settled, I think, in kids' work. Um, but this morning was Dave's last time of leading worship amongst us um, as a church. Um, many of you are aware that Dave and Amy are moving to a place called Clevedon. Um, which is near Bristol, little seaside town, um, and are going to be um, launching out on their next chapter of what God has got for them. Um, but we want to honor them. We will pray for them um, next week, I think it is, um, because obviously Sunday the 15th, Sunday the 15th is going to be their last Sunday, but it's our big Christmas modu and the jingalicious something or other. Um, so um, we're all looking forward to that. That might not be the moment to pray for them. Um, so we'll pray for them. Um, next week, but I won't be here next week um, because I am in um, Zambia next Sunday. So I did want to take this opportunity, she's just here right on cue, to really honour Dave and Amy for the incredible contribution that they've made to this church family. Great. Thanks for coming back when you did, Amy. Fantastic. Well, Christmas is coming. It's the 1st of December. Um, anybody have their tree up yet? Who has their tree up? Yeah, well, not many of us. N- normally, we would always have our tree up by the 1st of December, but it's kind of caught us out this year, this sneaky, the, the Sunday, the 1st of December, um, and, and we were busy this weekend, and we've not, we've not got it up yet. We're also in a little bit of a dilemma, because since last Christmas, a cat has joined our family, um, and cats, if, you don't, if you're not a cat person, they do really like little shiny ball-type things, uh, which they go wild for. So we're a little bit worried about the Christmas tree situation. So any of you cat experts out there, um, you know, give us your top tips on what to do, how not to have a Christmas tree go flying when the cat leaps up into it. Um, Any of you got an advent calendar? Oh, come on, where's the Christmas spirit? You've got an advent calendar. Good, you got yours yesterday. What's in your advent calendar? You've not opened it. <laughs> Please tell me it's not one of those ones that just has pictures in. Some of, you, some of you are too young to remember this, but back in the day, what we used to get in an advent calendar when we opened it up was a picture of a Christmas scene. 
that was it. No, no big chocolate. So they've got more and more fancy now. You can get jewelry advent calendars now. Um, but no, none of that. We, we just had a little picture of a Christmas scene. But there you go. Um, Christmas parties. They'll be here any moment, won't they? Christmas party. We've got um, young adults Christmas dinner coming up this week. We've got the um, the uh, wider leaders Christmas dinner is coming up this week, and then I think it's the week after we've got the 50 plus Christmas dinner. Um, it's a great time of year for going out again and again and again, celebrating um, Christmas. Christmas shopping. Who's done that? Do you know what? Honestly, guys, get with the program. Christmas is coming. You're like completely undermining my main point of this message. Get a bit more excited, please, about Christmas. We sang a Christmas carol this morning. Did you notice that? Did it help you a little bit? Maybe just getting into the mood slightly. Christmas is coming. Now, Christians, of course, um, for, for centuries um, have used the festival of Christmas to celebrate the birth of Christ. Um, there is a danger, of course, that Christmas kind of becomes, because we know that we're not supposed to be commercial and um, just into all the really secular um, Christmas stuff and Santa Claus and all of that, we, you know, it's, oh, let's put the Christ back in Christmas. And, but the danger is, in our efforts to do that, that, that Christmas becomes Jesus' birthday, yeah, um, I don't know if any of you have ever sang happy birthday to Jesus on Christmas Day. Hate to break it to you, but he probably wasn't born on Christmas Day. We don't know um, what day of the year it was. Um, but, you know, the, the danger is it becomes just a nice, you know, it's nice, isn't it? It's sweet. You know, baby Jesus, um, love a good nativity scene. Um, and it's great when the kids do that. I, I no idea. This jingalicious thing um, is worrying me slightly. I have no idea what kind of nativity we're going to have, but I'm sure it's going to be great. Um, but, the, but that scene, it's like, you know, it's sweet, isn't it? It's cute. Baby Jesus, Jesus' birthday. Happy birthday, Jesus. And we move on for another year. Um, but I want us to understand um, again today the significance of God, the God of the universe, the God who created the universe, God Almighty, the eternal God, coming to us in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. Absolutely incredible, earth-shattering, history-changing moment that that was when God became a man as a tiny little baby born in a stable in Bethlehem. Let's look together um, at Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty and darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The earth was empty, it was void, it was dark but the spirit of God was hovering, waiting, longing to bring God's life into his creation, to breathe God's life, to bring his creation into being. And he spoke and there was light 
and he spoke and he brought forth the plants and the animals, the birds and the, the creatures in the sea. And then on verse 26, it says this, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals. Let us make humanity like us. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God of the universe, eternal God, Trinitarian, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the community of God himself, says, let us make human beings like us. Why? So that they can rule. Let us make human beings like us so that they can rule. So that they can bring my dominion, my rule, my reign into this world that I've just created. I've brought this beauty out of nothing. I've breathed this beautiful creation into being. I've spoken and there was light and it was all good. But then he said, let us make people like us. Let us make people in our image. Let them rule. Let them bring my dominion to this beautiful thing that I have just created. That the earth, just like heaven, may be filled with the rule and reign of God. So God created, verse 27, mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. God made this beautiful creation and he made you and he made me as part of humanity. And he said, your destiny, your purpose, the reason for your existence is that you would be my children, that you would be like me and that you would rule and reign on my behalf. And we're going to enjoy this amazing creation forever. We're going to enjoy this amazing creation, not just the heavens, but the heavens and the earth. This beautiful, wonderful creation. We're going to enjoy it together. And you're going to get the pleasure and the delight as my children of representing me. Of partnering with me. Of playing a role. I'm not just going to leave you distant and far off. I'm actually going to involve you. I'm going to partner with you. I'm really excited because um, on this trip that I'm about to go to um, in, in Zambia and Kenya... Um, Actually, I'm, I'm going on behalf of Pioneer. Pioneer covered the cost of my trip. And they said, well, do you wanna, um, if you want to take someone with you, you'll have to get them to pay for themselves. So I've never been able to do this before because if the church has been paying, then obviously it would never have been right for me to say, um, you know, well, I'll just take my own family with me. So on this occasion, I had the opportunity to say, well, Luke, my eldest, he's 20, he's down at Bristol University. And I said, Luke, do you want to raise the money and come with me on this trip? So he's paid for himself, um, and for the first time we're going on a trip together, um, just me and him overseas, and I'm so excited. I'm so excited because I get to travel with my son, and I get to experience, we get to experience something together. We get to, he gets to be involved in what we're doing, what we're doing for ministry, what we're doing for the kingdom, what we're doing to try and strengthen the church. And I'm so excited as a father that I get to share that with my son. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. And 
Just think how God feels about us. He gets to share what he's involved in. He gets to share his creation. He gets to share this beautiful kingdom that he set up. And he says, I want my sons and my daughters to be involved in that with me. I want my sons and my daughters to be, to be sharing this experience. We'll do it together. And that's what God created us for. He loves humanity. God absolutely loves humanity. He is so pleased. Everything else he created, he said, is good. When he made us, he said, it's very good. We are, we're not being big-headed as human beings. God tells us we are the pinnacle of his creation. He is absolutely in love with us as his children. And he loves it when we fulfill the purpose for which he created us. God created us to bring his justice and his peace and his righteousness. Everything that's good and sweet and beautiful and amazing about him. God wants the whole world to be filled with his goodness. With his righteousness. With his glory. And he made us for that. But in Genesis chapter 3. We read that Adam and Eve representing humanity. Were faced with temptation as a. The devil, in the form of a serpent, comes to them and says to them, do you know what? God doesn't really want you to be like him. And says, you know, you, you, could, you, could, be, you could lift yourselves up. You could elevate yourselves. You could, you could be like God. Uh, and, he, and he tempts them, he tempts us to do the exact thing that God has told us not to do. So in the story of the garden, it's a, it, it's a tree, and it's a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And, and, and God says, don't eat from that because you'll die. Because you see, to, to truly live, you have to remain dependent on me. To truly live, you have to remain in relationship with me. And so I'll tell you what's right and what's wrong, what's good and what's evil. But we said, actually, no, we want to know for ourselves. We don't want to have to rely on you. We want to make our own decisions. We'll decide which way we're going in life. And so Genesis 3 explains to us that that we actually rejected our relationship with God who'd created us in order to rule and reign together with him. And actually we we, we call it we fell. We say we fell. We fell from, from God's plan and purpose for our lives. We rejected what he had for us. And we said we'll go our own way and we'll do our own thing. And in that moment God's plan and purpose was frustrated now, we say it was frustrated because God never abandoned his plan or purpose. It wasn't ruined, but it was frustrated because we'd rejected God's rule, his, his dominion, his, his lordship in our lives. And so how on earth could we be part of bringing that to the ends of the earth? But God's purpose for humanity remains. Look at Psalm 8. Psalm 8. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. 
When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. I look at the stars, I look at the sky, I look at the magnificence of creation, I look at the immensity of the universe, and I think to myself, God, why on earth would you care about human beings? I look at the tiny speck that our planet is in the whole array of the cosmos, the, 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 the scope, the scale of the universe, and, and why, God, why would you be bothered with us? And yet you love us so much. And yet you're so mad, passionate, crazy in love with us as your creation. What is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. Just as we've sought to honor people in our midst today. How amazing is that? That God honors humanity. That God honors humanity. He loves humanity. He's crazy about humanity. And God crowns humanity with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, or flocks and herds and the animals of the wild and the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea and all that swim in the paths of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name. God, you rule over all and you've put humanity to rule on your behalf. God's still got his plan. He's still got this desire. He still longs with all of his being for human beings who he loves so much to get back up off the floor from where they, to where they have fallen and to do what they were made to do, to bring the rule and reign of God into our world, to announce his goodness to declare his praises, to stand up for righteousness and justice, to bring peace, to feed the hungry, to heal the sick, to be part of announcing God's beautiful rule and reign to the ends of the earth. God's purpose for us remains. And so, and so he announced that he was coming to us in the person of his son. You see, humanity, humanity had rejected, we had rejected our purpose to bring the rule and reign of God and we were no longer capable. So how would God solve this? Well, he could have said, well, okay, humanity had their chance. We'll do away with that. We'll, we'll move on. We'll, we'll, I don't know, we'll, we'll give the elephants a go or we'll, 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 maybe the whales, they're pretty intelligent or... Uh, But no, God is so passionately in love with humanity. God has to find a way to rescue humanity from itself. He finds a way to rescue us from ourselves so that we can be who we were made to be. He says, I know what I'll do. I'll become one of them. I'll become one of them. And I'll come down and I'll live among them. And I'll live how humanity was always supposed to live. I'll live in perfect relationship with God the Father. 
I'll live in perfect submission to God the Father. And I'll live a sinless life in total obedience. And I will rule and I will reign in life. But as a human being, with all the limitations that human beings experience, I won't rule and reign out of my divinity but I will rule and reign as a human being in the anointing of the Holy Spirit, just how I always designed human beings to live. And before he died, before he went to the cross and Easter happened, Jesus lived. Remember we sang that song this morning, you lived, you died, you rose again on high. Sometimes we forget the lived part, don't we? He lived. God lived among us. As a human being. And he lived the life of God's kingdom. He brought God's rule and reign into our world. Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. Verse 2 says this. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And then verse 6 says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and peace. There will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Jesus came to restore God's government to our world. Not some political system like, you know, the the Christian party. Um, I'm going to say, yeah, thankfully, we do not have a, I don't think we do, maybe there might be one or two constituencies, but on the whole, we do not have a Christian party option um, in the general election that is coming, and I think that's a good thing, because it's not going to come, God's kingdom is not going to come through a political system. God will work through politics, God will work through his children influencing the world of politics, but I mean, let's be honest, we probably couldn't agree on all our policies um, if we tried to set up a Christian party. It'd be a disaster, wouldn't it? Um, That's not how God's rule is going to come into our world. But Jesus carries the government of God upon his shoulders. He lives perfectly in relationship with God and he shows how it's possible to live in the rule and reign of God here in this world. Not just some ethereal idea, not just some philosophical way of life, some religious theory, but actually living it in the flesh. Showing us that it is possible for us to live in God's rule here and now. And so he comes into our world and he says, the kingdom of God is in your midst. He says, if I drive out demons by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. He says, look at what I'm doing. Look at the the sick that are being healed. Look at the dead that are being raised. Look at the, the people who are being set free from demonic oppression. You can see that God's rule is real. That God is alive. That God is real. And that he's making a difference in this world. 
You see, the kingdom of God, it's the rule of God. It's, it's God having his way in our world. It's his goodness. It's his love. It's his peace. It's his joy. It's his perfect order of all things, being how they were always supposed to be. And it's not a pipe dream. It's God's reality. And he says, you can enter into it here and now. And this is why the birth of Jesus is so significant. This is why what we celebrate at Christmas time, along with all the really fun stuff, and I'm not down on that at all, I love it. But the heart of this lies the powerful truth of the incarnation that Jesus, God, comes to us in the flesh because he is so determined that we would be part of what he always made us for, that the rule of God would come through humanity into our world. And the whole point is so that you and I can be restored to what we were made for. Look at this in Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2, I'm going to read from verse 5. It is not to angels that he has subjected the world to come, about which we are speaking. But there is a place where someone has testified, and we've just, we could help the writer to the Hebrews out here. We just read it. It's in Psalm 8. He obviously just forgot. Um, There is a place where someone has testified, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? A son of man that you care for him. You made them a little lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. In putting everything under them, God left nothing that is not subject to them. Yet, at present, we do not see everything subject to them. But we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while. Now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. You see, we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for a little while. What's that saying? Who became human. We see Jesus who became human, who came and lived in our world like we do, a little lower than the angels. Not out of his divinity, of course he's still God, but laying aside all of those rights and privileges, he lives as a human being. In the anointing of the Holy Spirit, he lives a little lower than the angels so that we can be raised up with him. Because he has now been exalted, he has now been raised up, and he sits at the right hand of his Father in heaven, and he says, you enter into my life and you can become part of that. We do see Jesus. We might not yet see the fullness of God's kingdom in our world. We might not yet see everything subject to him, but we see Jesus. We see Jesus who came and lived among us. We see his example and we know we can enter through his life. We can enter into this destiny, this purpose that God has got for our lives. 
so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family, so Jesus is not ashamed to call them, you and me, brothers and sisters. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters. In the assembly, I will sing your praises. And again, I will put my trust in him. And he says, here am I and the children God has given me. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity. So that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason he is to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God. And that he might make atonement for the sins of the people, because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted. This is the gospel This is the gospel that we represent, that we proclaim, that we are called to live in our world. Jesus became human so that humanity could be redeemed and restored to its purpose. So that we could rule and reign with God. Now the fullness of that kingdom will come when Jesus comes again. And interestingly, Advent originally meant the second coming of Jesus. So originally, when that term came about, it was used to refer to the fact that Jesus was coming again and his kingdom was coming in all of its fullness. But actually, the church began to use the term to refer to the first coming of Jesus. Now, I think this is kind of neat because we live, don't we, in that overlap. We live in that time knowing that Jesus has come and he's made this kingdom possible, but also this kingdom is still to come in the future. But the thing is, it's like this. The kingdom is like Christmas. Now, I stole this illustration from someone I heard preach it um, a couple of days ago. And the first time you use an illustration from someone else, you have to credit them. So it came from Julian and Sarah Richards, um, who are in Swansea, but it's mine now. So the, ki- <laughs> the kingdom is like Christmas. Now, you're going to have to imagine that you're all really excited about Christmas already and you've all been doing loads of Christmas things. You see, we don't wait until Christmas Day to do anything Christmassy. That'd be really sad, wouldn't it? It'd be like, you know, just one day. I'm sure there are parts of the world, but we do Christmas the best everywhere in the world, I have to say. I just love Christmas. It's amazing. But we don't wait until Christmas Day to start celebrating Christmas. Imagine if you weren't allowed a single mince pie. Some of you, I've lost you because you hate mince pies. (laughs) Or whatever, Quality Street. Imagine you couldn't have a single Quality Street until Christmas Day. And then it was like, you know, from midnight until midnight, you could eat the Quality Street, you could eat the mince pies, you can have the Christmas pudding, and then it's all over. Take the decorations down, it's all done. No, we spend, you know, we're, we're experts at this. We spend a whole month or more anticipating Christmas. And we celebrate Christmas and we have parties for Christmas and we eat Christmas foods and we do Christmas things. And that's what it's like for us being in the kingdom. Our Christmas day when Jesus comes again and the kingdom comes in all of its fullness, it's still coming. 
But he doesn't say, well, just hang on and wait and just hope because one day it will come. He says, have a party now. Enjoy it now. Celebrate it now. Heal the sick now. Pray for righteousness and justice now. Stand up for the oppressed now. And this is supposed to excite us far more than any parties. The justice and the righteousness of God coming into our world now. He says, look, I've shown you how to do it. I've lived a life in the anointing of the Holy Spirit as a human being. I've become like you. I've paid the price for your rejection of God. And now, as a human being, you can be part of bringing this wonderful, amazing rule and reign that I always made you for into your world. So as we live through this season of Advent, and as we open our Advent calendars, Hey, everyone, if if you want, go and buy an advent calendar. Go and buy an advent calendar. And each day as you open up the little door and see your little picture, or as you get your chocolate out, or remind yourself, the kingdom of God is coming and now is. When you go to a Christmas party before Christmas Day, when you put up your decorations, remind yourself, Christmas is coming and now is. Jesus used that phrase a lot. He said, a time is coming and now is. The kingdom of God is coming in all its fullness, but we can be part of bringing his rule and his reign into our world. You can speak the gospel to your friends. You can pray for them. You can pray for friends, colleagues, neighbors who are sick, and you can see them recover. Hey, it might not happen every time, but keep doing it. Keep going for it. You know, you can pray into situations of injustice and unrighteousness. You can speak up for truth. It might not work out every time, but keep doing it. Keep going for it because Christmas is coming. Christmas is coming and it will come. So let's celebrate it now. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you.